Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Highlighter Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Isero. This podcast is where we talk about the best articles on race, education, and culture that have been featured in the weekly Highlighter newsletter. This week, there were thought-provoking articles about growing up intersex in the Dominican Republic, about the consequences of cell phones on Generation Z, and about the flailing weight loss industry. If you'd like to read the articles, you can find the Highlighter newsletter at j.mp slash thehighlighter105. But now it's time for me to introduce this week's guest. Today I get to talk with Michelle Godwin, who's a teacher and librarian at Leadership High School in San Francisco. She's great at getting the right books in young people's hands, and so I'm very happy to talk to her right now. Well, hi, Michelle. How are you? Fine, thanks, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. It's really wonderful to talk to you. How are you feeling to talk to me? I'm feeling excited to talk to you. I always enjoy talking to you. It's a real pleasure. Uh, Before we delve in, I want to ask a little bit about your book matchmaking or your book matching techniques, because um, I hear that you're really good at getting the right books into young people's hands. Well, it's something I'm getting better and better at it, Um, and it is something I love doing at my school where, um, yeah, that's what I do is I match students up with books that they ask for, which is easy to do if they come to me and say, I want to read this one specific book, then I can say, oh, we have that, here you go. Or I can say, oh, we don't have that, but clearly our library needs that, and so I'm going to order that for you. And um, and then I order it, and then a couple of days later I say, here you go, young person, here's that book that uh, you just asked for. And now we have just grown the library, so thank you, young person. Um, and so that's super fun, but then sometimes... Someone might come to me and say, oh, I know I'm supposed to be reading, but I haven't, I don't really consider myself a reader and I don't know what I want to read. And then I can say things like, well, what are you interested in? Or what's, what have you read or heard a little bit of that you want to know more about? And then I can do something like go and pull a bunch of books off the shelf and say, here you go, here's a pile of 10 books that might be interesting. I want you to go through and, you know, look at the cover and read the back and read the first page and see if this looks good for you. And if you don't like it, then put it down Um, and go on to the next one. If none of those are good, then we'll start with a new pile and maybe I'll go and order you some that I think you might like and maybe not. And we just keep on going until something clicks. So that's, yeah, that's the best job in the whole world, and I and I get to do it. I'm lucky. Well, I think it's great, too, because you and I used to work together, you know, at this lovely school before it had a library, and then you made sure that there's a library now. And, I mean, don't you feel like the students just feel like that there's a little bit more freedom to read, especially during their independent reading time? I do. And it's funny because our one our school is so wonderful that as you know, 
many former students come back to um, volunteer there or to work there. And those students recognize um, the beauty of finally having a library because when they were there, we didn't have one, but, but we used to say, you need to read, you need to read, but then not really give them much choice. And now they see uh, uh, the teachers at our school saying, you need to read, you need to read. And then saying, oh, you don't have anything to read? Come to the library. Um, and so they recognize what an improvement that is. And then the students who are there at the school, they appreciate it too. They, they, I've had many students come in and say, oh, this is a small, smaller library than what I'm used to at my middle school. But how great is this library where I'm actually helping build it? Because that's something I emphasize a lot is like, you, I can't, I don't know what books to put on the shelves. You have to tell me what books to put on the shelves. And students seem to really enjoy that. They, it's kind of like Christmas for a lot of them. They have figured out. Yeah. And it's, when so books come have, it's so great to have a book or a library. I'm sorry. That actually has books that you all want to read. Um, yes. Because that's not always the case. Well, mm-hmm. I like the, I like that a lot. And then now I want to ask you, what do you want to talk about today? Mm. Um, well, I could talk about lots of things. I read a couple of the articles from my very favorite uh, collection of curated articles, uh, the highlighter. And there were a few things that I thought were really interesting, and especially in the um, – the article about how phones are changing um, the way this newest generation um, thinks and kind of operates in the world. And there were a few things that um, resonated with me. Don't ask me what they are because I don't remember. No, but do you think that that's true, though? I mean, you have a kid, and uh, do you think that say they're this generation, which I guess is your high school students as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all these stories, obviously, that they're using phones, but so are we, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't, the The article was, was you know, suggesting that there's going to be such a huge difference with this generation versus even like the millennials. And I mean, do you think that's true? I, well, I'm, I think, yeah, I think there's going to be, we, there is a lot of change already in, in this, in these young people. And that will, you know, we'll see how that manifests. We'll continue to watch that happen. I, I take exception though to the, the title of the article and the general um, feeling or the, the, the sense that I get from a lot of people who talk about this which is, I mean, the, the title of the article is Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation? And um, that's kind of driving me nuts right now, that negativity, that use of, of I mean, that, that word destroyed. I feel like we're hearing it a lot, and I don't know if my sensitivity is coming from, it could be coming from the fact that there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now in the country, as you know, we just, we're hearing about what's happening 
and um, um, out east and um, where's that West Virginia and um, we're hearing about these horrible things and and you know our president and all the tweets and all these just crazy horrible things but I I I guess because of what I do and the people I get to be around all the time I I get I can go down that rabbit hole of feeling like everything's terrible but then I go to work and I look at my students and I talk to them and I feel hope um I see them as as um all you know each one of them is just this potential for for so much good and so much um hope and so and so yeah they're looking at their phones a lot and they drive me crazy i have to i get uh, for a while i got into you know so many arguments every day asking kids to put away their phones and it's a distraction and it's not good for kids and adults i see plenty of adults with their faces in their phones as well um this is learned behavior from adults um what these kids are doing but i also i don't see it as destruction i don't see it as this is this is the the end of you know socializing or civilization as we know it because these kids can't talk to each other or function i just don't i just don't see that i see the how they interact in the halls and i see and i don't you know i don't approve of their eyes on their phones all the time but i do approve of their conversations in the classrooms and their contributions and their friendships and their and their um and their you know excitement about learning and about making change and about you know they they can't quite articulate what it is that that they want to change about how things are now but they know they want to and um so i i no, I don't feel like we're anything is being destroyed. Change is hard for for all of us, but I refuse to think that it's all bad. I think there's yeah. lots and lots of hope. I mean, it's almost become a joke about especially, I guess I'm part of Generation X and this idea that the millennials are the people who are so different and how different are they? And then now there's this Generation Z and, oh, look how different they are. And I, it's so strange. I never used to pick up on this sort of generation to generation difference or animosity. And it just feels like it's a result of like my getting older. Like I'm supposed to like not have hope in the younger generation when really it seems like they might actually have more of an idea about what to do than, than maybe I or we, you know, that we do. Um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, I remember when I was an advisor, though, um, there was a certain cynicism of, say, government, which now we're finding they should have. Mm-hmm. And, and so I always had this idea like, oh, you have to... Uh, you, you have to engage in your community and in the government sort of like the way that I learned and sort of what I, what the way that that has sort of served me and my students would always tell me, no, like that's not going to work for us. We have something different. And I feel like this is what you're saying too, is that when you're teaching them and when um, even in the library, I'm sure, but I mean, how would you characterize like, especially now with the election, how would you, has there been sort of a shift in their 
outlook, or do you see that your students are still uh, fairly hopeful about the future? Well, it's it's hard to say because you know I was I was teaching the day you know last November, the day of the election, and I and my seniors were expressing concern about what was about to happen, and I I regret this, but I was I I remember being fairly flippant with them about how, you know, no matter who wins, and I think in the back of my mind I thought I I I thought like so many other people that there was no way this man was going to win the election, but I was telling my students flippantly, no matter who wins, you know, it it's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And I still believe that. But um, the next day, once the results came in, it was a, it was a, it was a scary and sad day at school. Um, they the that fear that they had expressed that 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 I had kind of flicked away so carelessly was was really um, palpable the next day. And and it showed up in all different ways. Um, you know, it's not very often. But you know, a few kids specifically saying, uh, you know, I'm scared for what's going to happen to my family. I'm scared of what's happening to this country. But mostly, it's this kind of acting out, not really knowing what to do with this fear that they, uh, this fear of the unknown. Um, and then, and you know, it, do, it certainly doesn't help if they're staring at their phones and just reading headlines um, about what's going on. And these headlines are, are again, get, you know, using, you know, just like there's no hope. Like they're, that's what they're reading. And so what is it about all the cynicism? I mean, I get, I get that it's dark days, but I feel like by the end of the year, my students who were graduating um, – you know, they they don't know what's happening. They don't know what they're going to do, you know, next week when school starts back up and they're not necessarily going to city or they're not going to state. They don't know. They don't know what's going to happen. And then on top of that, they don't know what's going to happen to their families or whatever. But I, but they um, they still have joy in their hearts and they know that, you know, they've got a future ahead of them, even if. They don't know what exactly that is going to be. Um, Do you think that there's a shift also in the way that you teach? Or all all education and teaching is political, but have you noticed um, in the last four or five months, as well as maybe this next year, do you see yourself differently in your role, or is it mostly just the way you've always been um, in the way that you present to your students? I absolutely see myself differently and I'm I'm lucky enough to have had a friend kind of help me come to this when you know in November and December when I was starting to feel really down about how things were turning out and and hearing about the news and um, hearing things about, you know, ICE showing up to the community center and the mission, you know, to make their presence known, um, you know, in a, what seems to me in an attempt to just bully and and um, 
scare my kids and their families and, and, um, and then hearing about the immigration bans and, and I, uh, that friend and I would talk a lot about politics and what was going on and how horrible it felt and how scary it was. And he helped me see that, um, when I'm feeling that, you know, here I am feeling so, uh, helpless or you or like I can't do anything kind of paralyzed like many of us feel and he reminded me that teaching is 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 political just like you said and that and that is my activism and I and for the rest of the year I really took that seriously and so like I said before you know we're talking about our kids looking at their phones all the time so we spent time in my class of 12th graders talking about, um, you know, going beyond the headlines and questioning the sources of these news. And when you're on Facebook or when you're on um, Twitter or Instagram, you know, going beyond just the, that headline or byline and looking into that article and being a, a critical thinker about what it is you're reading um, and thinking about where it's coming from and how those, how the words that those, that these media sources choose affect our, um, you know, our take on things and our feelings about things and how they contribute to that feeling of hopelessness or fear or anger or whatever. Um, and that's something I really want to focus on this year a lot. I feel like it's, it's more important now than it's ever been in my 17 years of teaching. Do you see it though as a reading thing as well, or is it an overall thing? I mean, sometimes, sometimes I get really nerdy and I say, okay, well, this is a reading thing. And, you know, of course it's a entire society thing, but do you, do you come at it from your English teaching and then also your librarianship or is this a different thing, this idea of really being extremely critical and this idea of really reading at higher levels? Um, well, I, I, I think both. Obviously, I, I want my students to, you know, read and be fluent readers and to um, know how to look at these sources and like I, like I just described, but also um, recognizing that, you know, some of them that, you know, they get their information in all different ways. And so we've talked even in class about how do they talk to one another about these headlines or how do they talk within their families about what they see and what they hear um, so I think, yeah, it's all those things. It's reading, but it's also society. And how do they, how do you, um, how do you use your money to show what it is you support or what you stand for? Because I had the pleasure of teaching one semester of econ. Um, yeah, we talk about all of it. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of money, I want to make sure that people know about your library and how they can donate. Is it okay if we do a little plug here? Sure. Yeah. So you're um, at, you're, at, you're at lhsbooks.org. Is that correct? And people can sort true. of 
donate to the Leadership uh, High School Library? Yes. Yes. What's, one, what, what's your goal for this year, and what are you hoping to do in the library? Um, I just want to continue growing it. We've raised um, lots of money, but, I, you know, ideally I would like to – I would like to um, leave behind, I don't know when I'm leaving, but I I like thinking that, um, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, students will still be able to walk into the leadership library and ask me or ask, you know, whomever it is who's taking my place about a new book and that once, that that it'll continue to grow. And um, and that it'll continue to stay fluid. Like I don't want it to ever get to a point where the the library is just this collection of dusty books. That's all the bestsellers from you know 2015 to 2018, and it just kind of stalled out there, you know. So um, so I like the idea of having that. Um, reserve a little bit, but also of continuing. I this year I'm excited to have a um, a library program with um, lunch kind of talks and activities to get more people, more kids into the library. Um, you know, I'm thinking like Crafts Monday, where they come in and we can do some crafts, and and then I was thinking about. Um, you know, maybe bring having a, a, a showing like a TED Talk some days or, um, you know, or listening to a podcast together some days and then having books there for follow-up. You know, a lot of our students say uh, they want to be psychologists. They're really interested in, in you know, the, the mind and how, how that works. But like many young people this age, particularly young people who don't have um, parents at home who've gone to college, they don't know what it takes to get to that. They don't know the, the large, you know, the process of once you graduated from high school, then what does it take to, to be a psychologist, breaking down that, that process a little bit. And so um, I like the idea of having, you know, plenty of material, plenty of reading material for them to look through and see if that continues to spark their interest or if maybe they pivot and decide, oh, maybe I want to be a, I don't know, maybe I want to own a barbershop or maybe I want to be a financial advisor or maybe I want to be a nurse. Totally. So that's what I'm thinking for this year. That's great. And I think that you're going to get huge amounts of money and it's going to be a wonderful library. And I just want to thank you so much for speaking with me today. And I just really hope that you have a really great year over in San Francisco doing your teaching and your book matching um, with your students. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure. Hope to see you soon. Yes. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening to Michelle as much as I did. 
Thank you for listening and for being a part of this community. Please check out the next issue of the newsletter coming out this Thursday, and I'll be back here on the Highlighter Podcast next Sunday night at 9.10 p.m.